What's up, man? I'm Mike Miller at the Denver Nuggets, and you're listening to Double Clutch Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Double Clutch NBA Podcast. I'm your usual host, Matthew Wellington. I'm back. I'm joined once again by Joe Herbert, who's also back. Hi there, guys. Been a while for me and you. We've not been on the pod in, well, good three, four weeks now, so it's probably before Christmas. Yes, it has been a while. It's been a manic month or so. Yeah, Christmas is mental for sports. Like, if you're a football fan or an NFL fan or anything, it's just completely crazy at the moment i know you do a you do a read nfl blog so it's probably been quite busy the last what two three weeks with all the sort of the right the build-up to the playoffs and then you had the wild cards what this past weekend so there's probably a lot going on right now yeah i've had all the coaches losing their jobs as well so yeah very busy and uh the draft soon as well it's mock draft season in the oh, nba no. as well I'm, <laughs> see my my team is so bad i'm already looking at nba mock drafts see what other young player we can add and it went in with this into the season with so much optimism and what happened oh well we'll see if we can rectify the timberwolf situation over the course of the next hour or so as we discuss nba trades this is one of the funnest shows of the year unfortunately we don't have frankie hobbs here anymore who used to be like our resident trade monkey he was just obsessed with all things trade and that was all he used to do was look around espn you know, bull don't lie. Every single website you could possibly find just for trade rumors. Um, it was literally like an encyclopedia of rumors. Um, but we're going to do what we can. Me and Joe are here. We've had been having quite a look at this stuff today. We've tweeted you guys as well. We've had quite a fantastic response on Twitter. It's been a bit mental so far this week because we're recording this on Tuesday night. NBA London is, of course, Thursday night, and that's going to be a little bit manic. Uh, the Twitter feed for the last few days has just been completely off the rails. People have been at events. Obviously, Mike has done two fantastic guest shows recently which you can check out there on the feed at the moment. Um, we, we looked at a Clippers book and then we interviewed Simon Hosanna, who's going to be sort of emceeing the, the London event, the O2 on Thursday. So we obviously will be covering that at some point in the, in the near future. But for now, um, we will be getting on to the trades. So I don't really know where we should start. There's a lot to talk about, isn't there, Mr. Holbert? Yeah, Miami are apparently open for a fire sale. So I think Ooh. every any any team could do something, which is exciting. Because last, was it last year that was really boring? Yeah, no, nothing happened before. last year, and the year before yeah. was a mental. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what? hopefully it's good, although Atlanta have ruined it. Is that because they've pulled your, your man, Paul Millsap, who you've been dying to talk about for the last week? <laughs> yes. I'd, Do you actually think they've pulled him off the market? Like, I genuinely think if they had an offer, they'd have to at least consider it. I think they'd be mad not to. There's a lot of um, sort of problems going on in Atlanta at the moment so to me from the outside it seems like they got halfway through a rebuild and just went actually I don't want to do this anymore Kyle Corville was so important and he's gone you got Mills he's not going to go back there and Dwight Howard must be pissed although yeah, he's he's, per- he- he's permanently angry isn't he yeah Dwight had what a good three weeks at the start of the season and it's it's kind of but he's been he's been fine since then. Like he's been he's still on for the uh, Joe Herbert comeback of the year award. Um, but <laughs> they've they've had a, a bit of a turbulent couple of weeks at Atlanta Hawks, and obviously trading away a key piece and, and bringing back Mike Dunleavy, who kind of didn't. I don't think he's actually turned up to do anything Hawks related at the moment. It's the last thing I saw was that he was kind of refusing to go to to sort of coaching sessions and bits and bobs. So it's it's all crazy. The biggest thing about that trade as well is it's brought apart this question of is the NBA in an arms race at the moment between the the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers obviously the the Warriors haven't actually made a trade but they won the summer by landing Kevin Durant and that kind of finished the whole conversation a few months back but 
Now the Cavs have gone and sort of added another piece, somebody who they've really needed. Carl Korver is a huge threat. He's one of the best three-point shooters in the league, one of the best three-point shooters in the history of the game. And they've just gone and added it. And it's a case of at the moment where you've just got teams stacking players effectively. Uh, and it's almost like they're inevitably just assuming that they will meet in the NBA finals. I mean, going out on a whim, coming off on a tangent a little bit, but do you think there is a, a, a possibility, especially out in the West, that maybe the Warriors don't make the NBA finals? Um, I mean, the way you get at them is you get at that bench because that bench obviously, when they signed right, they had to sacrifice depth because they just don't have the cap room. But, but even then, it's the NBA, it's the playoffs. Your good players are generally going to play between 35 and 40 minutes. So you're essentially saying you want to neutralize the Warriors starting lineup and you want to get at their bench for what, eight or 10 minutes? I don't think you could beat the Warriors in eight or 10 minutes. I think it's very unlikely anyone beats them. The only team I think could, I think the Rockets could just because I think the Rockets are the only team who could match that kind of intensity. intensity. Yeah. They have beaten them this season as well. I don't. Phenomenal game from James Harden. He's just been on a tear. You've kind of got those three former Oklahoma City players at the moment, all in contention for the MVP race. And it's been phenomenal. The Warriors at the moment are 32 and 6. The Rockets are just behind them a second in the Western Conference at 30 and 9. And that is the inevitable Western Conference final at the moment, if you're just looking at the, the stats on the paper. But below that, I don't really know what's going on with the, the sort of the rest of the, the rest of the Eastern Conference, that Western Conference, really. It's kind of, <clears throat> I think I, I saw the term, there's a, like an upper middle class in the Western Conference where you've got the Clippers, the Grizzlies, the Jazz and the Thunder, who would all probably be second seed in the East. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. I think all of the, I think all those teams would be two in the East, but they're kind of, they're not good enough to win the West. I don't think. And then, <laughs> and then the eighth seed is just, no one wants it. Yeah, it's like the Kings are saying they're gonna they're gonna go for it, and the rumors are that the past week that they're gonna offer Demarcus Cousins a two hundred million dollar contract to keep him keep him in Sacktown, um, which would be crazy. But they are pursuing that eighth seed. What's the point? They're just gonna get in there and get like battered by the Warriors. Like, if there's one team you don't want to get that, it's them because they phys- they physically will not be able to compete. I mean, the Blazers might at least stand a chance because they're young and athletic enough, and they've proven over the past two seasons that they can they can sort of go toe-to-toe with some of the, the better teams in the Western Conference but the Kings Pelicans it's just you don't I, I personally wouldn't want to see them in there <laughs> no no and certainly the Kings have that rivalry with the Warriors and it's probably not nice being swept by your rivals I can't <laughs> imagine I mean Tim Wolves don't have any rivals so I don't know but no, but you you, again, you were maybe, supposed to be one of the what top four teams in the Western Conference at the start of the season, if you believed all the mainstream press. I mean, I expected us to be competing for the eighth seed, and that's not really happening. No. Although we're only we're only three and a half games behind, it's not it's not like impossible, but it's unlikely because we're just not very good. Yeah, you, you you could be one of those teams that is in fact looking for a trade. So I guess we shall start with the Minnesota Timberwolves. You're looking for a point guard, I'd imagine, because Ricky Rubio's been on the table for a while. Um, would, would you consider Goran Dragic? I'd love Goran Dragic, but I don't know. I imagine Miami would take Rubio, but it would, too, it would take more on a, a straight swap because I like Rubio. He's not as good as Dragic, in my opinion. So we'd probably have to... It's a problem. We don't have a bench, so we'd have to maybe throw in Shabazz Muhammad and... If we lose Shabazz, that's our entire bench scoring gone. So 
I don't know what we'd do. I don't think we'd throw in this first round pick just because, you know, by some miracle if we win the lottery. You know, there's a couple of franchise changing stars at the top of this draft. So I think if Thibodeau does make a move, it'll be a small one. I don't think he's going to move Ruby and I don't think he's going to go after a first teamer. Yeah, you know what I'm like. I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I'm not a draft like a college basketball guy at all. I don't really pay attention until the draft turns up. You just mentioned that it's going to be good. I mean, can you just sort of develop on that a bit more? Is it like how good are we talking here? Well, you've got Markel Fultz, who's really exciting. He's a point guard. Um, there's also Lonzo Ball, who's really cocky. He's. Um, I think he played. Yeah, UCLA, UCLA, and his brothers committed there as well. So. There's a lot of... I mean, last year's draft, on the whole, in my opinion, there was a massive drop-off after Simmons. I I really believe that. Dude, Whereas this dude, year... Dude, I, dude, dude, Brandon Ingram's got it, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, Ingram as well. <laughs> I'm but serious. Ingram, but after but after Ingram, it went to Jalen Brown, and that's quite a big yeah. drop-off. I'm not, I'm not labelling him a bust or anything at all, but like it was the consensus that the top two guys were very good and the guys below weren't. But this draft looks a lot better. It's a guard-heavy draft as well, which is why Philly are just licking their lips because they've got their front court. It's a bit of a mess, but they've got Embiid and they can pair him with a star guard because they're going to get a top three pick. And it's also a good year for Miami and Dallas to suck. Yeah, and the last few drafts have been, I seem to remember, have been very sort of forward heavily and centre heavily orientated. So I think it makes a change that we're going to get a few sort of new guards come into the league. I mean, obviously Towns... A few years ago, and then, then you look at Simmons, who admittedly hasn't come back and played yet, but when he does, I think he'll have an impact. The Sixers have already surpassed or or met their win total for last season already, which is, you know, huge for them. So we'll have to see what they do in the, in the trade deadline. But there's just so much to talk about, like in, in terms of what you could offer. I, the t- I might be wrong here, but I think the Timberwolves were one of the teams that made an offer for Jimmy Butler in the summer. Yeah, we did. We, um, we drafted Chris Dunn, and then we were going to offer, I think, I think we offered Rubio and Levine for Butler. Yeah, I might be right. It was some, but Levine was definitely in the picture. Although I'm glad now we didn't trade him because he's evolved into our second best player. But I, I just don't think we've got the assets to make a big move. Like people can talk about our young players, but we actually we kind of have the big three. They're not a big three, but. You know, I mean, you know the three. I mean, when I say that, I've got Gorgie Yang, who's a good defender, but I think Thibodeau has got to be patient. I think if he just starts, because he's he's already Minnesota fans aren't too keen on him so far, because they're pretty impatient as a fan base. But if he starts trading people, they're just going to hate him even more. Yeah, you don't, you don't you don't blow up a young team after four months. That's ridiculous. No, you have to sit in and sort of let a, a young team vegetate. It's a bit strange. Like you, you've got what well, on one on one side they call, and you've got a fan base who, uh, you know, thinking ahead and wanting to compete and wanting to win, which is the natural thing for any sort of fan of any franchise to want. And then the other side of the coin is you look at the players on that team and the organization, the general managers. They they have to sort of look further ahead than the gem, general fan looks ahead, if that makes sense, just to make sure that their team is is future-proofed, or you end up like the Kings. <laughs> and you just exactly, you just yeah. end up an absolute mess of an organisation that has no idea 
where they're going. Um, the Pelicans similar as well. We've mentioned it before. Like you get Anthony Davis, who's gonna be one. Like he could, he probably will be the best player on the planet when LeBron retires. Like he's a freak, but he has no help on that team. He has nobody around him who's even mildly useful. Buddy Hield has looked pretty bad. He's picked it up the last few months, but the start of the season he wasn't great and. They're just a team that has gone out the last few years and made bad decisions when it comes to signing players or making trades. Well, that's the thing. The Pelicans in the last five years, they've only had one first-round pick, and that was last year. I, I, I haven't got all the trades written down, but they traded one for Tyreek Evans, one for Drew Holiday. Well, I think Drew Holiday's a good player, so that's not a disaster of a move. But He's been out a lot, though, which is the biggest problem they've had with Drew. Well, did you see they were apparently in the Paul Millsap sweepstakes? Yeah, I did see they were... Because obviously partnering him with Andy Davis is, is a thing that you probably want to do because Millsap is a fantastic all-around two-way player, can do everything. He's the sort of mature shoulders that you'd want Anthony to be playing alongside, but... I don't really know where where that's going. I mean, would you you'd have to ship off Drew or or, or Tyreek, I'd imagine, just to even fit, like contemplate that move. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like without guard play, that system is not going to work. So I, I'd imagine Gentry wouldn't want to move Holiday. So you'd essentially be offering Tyreek Evans, who I'm a big fan of him, but he's been. I don't think he's a star, and I think he's been way too inconsistent throughout his career. And I'm not sure his game is suited to this NBA, which is more about, you know, up-tempo taking threes and stuff. But then you're offering, like, Omar Ashik, who I think has the worst contract. contract. Yeah. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> it's, like, he, he's not good at anything. He doesn't even rebound anymore. Like, that is the that is the one contract in the league that I think is unmovable, because it's because of the length as well. Do you remember when he had a couple of breakout games when he was at the Bulls and everyone was freaking out? And then Houston <laughs> yeah, they- Houston took him and it was like, oh, look, we're going to partner him and it's going to be great. And it, yeah, that didn't work out. <laughs> no. Well, they signed him, didn't they? And then they signed Dwight Howard. Yeah, you know what? You, much. you know the perfect destination for Omar Sheik? The D-League? Brooklyn Nets. But just just for a salary dump, just for a salary dump, and in general, because like they, they they just have a history of players going there and killing their careers. Like you just look at what happened to Derek Williams, uh, Andy Bennett, <laughs> Andre Bargnani. Like Jesus. I know these guys weren't great in the first place, those two especially. But uh, I think um, Matt Hardy sent us a Twitter uh, Twitter question about that earlier. And it was just like, no, actually that makes sense because they want to get rid of Brook Lopez as well. So we'll, they can take the cash and get rid of Brook somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Brooklyn are an interesting one. They started off kind of okay, and they've just been getting battered. Better than over expected, and over again. I think is the phrase. I thought they'd yes. be okay going into the start of the season. I remember doing the preview with you for the Easter Conference, and we sat down and we were kind of umming and ahhing as to where we'd put them. And I was like, oh, I kind of like some of the veterans. Jamie Lynn's a good player. Brooke Lopez, if healthy, is a really good player. He's sort of developed a three-point game this year. I think he's shooting 36% as a whole, and He's one of those guys that I think you could effectively build an offense round, and Jeremy Lin was the perfect guy to play the pick and roll with him. And it was working at the start of the year, but you know when you've got two guys doing all the off, do like taking all the heavy load, it just it's so obvious how to sort of defend against that. And the the thing I was reading during the week is according to um I think it was Mark Stein of ESPN, he said that the Brooklyn Nets aren't going to accept anything less than two first round picks for <laughs> Brook Lopez, which is crazy because. You know, his health has just been pretty bad. Um, 
well, it, historically, it's been pretty bad. I think he's only missed 23 games the last two seasons, but um, he's, I don't know, he's a guy that, he's a gamble, effectively. Well, you've got to remember, he's not a great defender, he's not a great rebounder either. And I think one of the ways teams are trying to beat teams like the Warriors is by crashing the boards and getting themselves extra possessions. And I'm not sure he he really fits into that myself. So I think there'd be a market for him. He's a good score. I think he's the best scoring centre in the NBA. Just I think he's athletic enough to adapt his game as well. Like You mentioned crashing the boards. and I think he could under the right coach, become a, a, a sort of good low post interior threat. Like he's, he's a great offensive center. He's probably the best offensive center in the league. It's just the other end of the floor is where you kind of worry. But when someone's that big and has got that much skill, you, you should be able to effectively coach around that. But the problem with him is I think he's owed $33 million over the next season in the, like a year and a half. So what team is going to want to take that on? <laughs> Yeah, not many. It would it would be a desperate team, but I don't I don't really look at the NBA and see any really desperate teams at the moment. And certainly, you've got to remember they have to have assets to give up as well. Like he is a good player. You're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna be able to lowball Brooklyn because no, the because they the day, know that they know his value. Like they're not stupid. <laughs> but it's financial as well. Though it's deeper for me than just the player because. Brooklyn, he's probably the only reason they sell any tickets at the moment. Because if you take him out of that team, you're left with... And Jeremy Lin's haircut. Yeah, <laughs> Jeremy Lin. You're left with Jeremy Lin, Bojan Bogdanovic, Jarrett Jack, and I think their backup center is Justin Hamilton, oh, who's played Jack, for about... Justin Hamilton's played for about eight teams in the league. And like, I understand Brooklyn are bad anyway, but like Lopez at least brings people through the building. Whereas I'm not sure Jeremy Lin and Bojan Bogdanovic are going to do that. Yeah, personally, the, the whole Nets organization is a whole different topic. But like they, they should be one of the most profitable, most marketable, most effective NBA teams in terms of marketing and you know being out there. They like when Jay Z was was part owner, like they were all over the place. Like you walked around London or wherever Norwich, where I live, and you'd see people with bloody Brooklyn Nets caps on. It's like they became a brand, which is the way the NBA has developed over the last certainly last five, seven, six, seven years in this country in the UK is it's become a brand as well as just a, a sporting league. So people were all about the fashion and the culture. And the Nets encompassed all of that, and they went out and they made big moves. You know, they brought in Ray Allen, uh, uh, Jason Terry, uh, and Kevin Garnett, and they tried to build like a new sort of super team to rival what LeBron James was doing in Miami at the time, and well, that fell fat flat on its face. I mean, they looked okay during parts of the regular season. They got to the playoffs, and then they just completely capitulated. Uh, and they're a team that is just in a constant state of flux. And I think the problem with the NBA at the moment, if there is a problem, I know viewing figures are up and everyone's loving, you know, pace and space and all this, all the crazy scoring that we see it every night. Um, there's quite a few franchises in the league who I just don't really think have, have any idea what they're doing or they're badly run or, you know, there's something, there's a, there's a deep problem embedded in the heart of them. And I don't know how you fix that. It's just going to be a real difficult one. I think Brooklyn are taking some positive steps. I mean, they've stopped trying to win, which is good. I know that sounds weird, but like <laughs> they could have gone out this summer and they could have signed like, I don't know, they could have traded for Greg Monroe and they could have signed Rajon Rondo, but they didn't. They 
because Rondo and Greg Monroe, they're not going to take you. Your ceiling is what, an eighth seed? They're, they're accepting. They've got to rebuild. They don't own any draft picks, so they're trying to compete every night. And I think they've got their D-League team as well. They've just picked up, picked up RJ Hunter, who's another terrible Danny Ainge draft pick. And they've, they've got a couple of... I think they're doing what they can because there's no resources there. There's nothing to work with. Hmm. And I think I think they're doing right. I, I hate basement teams who keep trying to win. There's got to be a point. And I, I praised Atlanta for this until they decide to do a U-turn. But some teams have just got to accept they're not going to win with their current core. And you've got to enter a full rebuild rather than just trying to like patch up your roster every year and make an Let me look at Dallas. Look, that's... Dallas have been doing that for like three or four years now since they won that title. And where are they now? They're, well, they're bottom of the West. And they'll have, to do, it. they'll have to do it again this summer. Yeah, because they keep renting guys like Darren Williams. Um, Andre Bogut. Chandler Parsons, they signed to that, I think it was two-year, $40 million deal a couple oh, yeah, of years the ago. Oh like. yeah, the infamous nightclub selfie. Yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> so they, they one. keep doing it, and eventually it's got to be a point when you go, right, let's stop now, clean slate. And... I applaud Brooklyn for doing that. It's just not pretty to watch at the moment. Yeah, they, they, Dallas just aim high like every single summer and always miss and end up with you know Harrison Barnes, who's been really good. So I'm not going to complain. But he he's, been fill, he's been filling in for uh, Dirk Nowitzki, who's had quite a bit of problems this season. I think Dirk's on the edge of calling it quits. So um, that'll be a shame for every single European NBA fan. But you know, it is it's inevitable that generation's coming to an end and. Um, we're getting a new generation and the league is in a, in a constant state of flux and, and change at the moment. But just on the, the, the question of like teams wanting to rebuild, what going back to the Kings, like what do the Kings do? Like seriously, let's just sit down and have a discussion. Like you go and offer, supposedly offer DeMarcus Cousins 200 million, but you've got Rudy Gay on the trade table. You've said you've missed, like he's been, he's pissed. He's been vocal. Say it, you know, and George Carl came out with that book recently and slated a lot of people off and caused a lot of problems. And in in it, you know, it was just like when he turned up at Sacramento, Rudy Gay was like, "Welcome to basketball hell." Like, what does that? What can they? Are they going to do anything during this window? I think they're going to try, but the problem with them is it's you know, talk all we want about free agency and trades. They draft like crap. I mean, they this year they drafted. Papa Giannis, why are they drafting a centre when their franchise player is a centre? Yeah, Willie Cauley-Stein has been Willie Cauley doing Stein, hardly I mean, anything this season. But even if, even if Cauley-Stein was like, he was, he was a bang average centre, someone like, oh, I can't even think of one now. But if, <laughs> even if he was like, even if he turned into a serviceable centre, why are you using a top five pick on a centre when your franchise player is a centre? That'd be like Minnesota winning the second pick this year and drafting a centre. It just doesn't make any sense. Like they, they've—I can't remember the last good draft pick they've made. That I'm gonna get—I'm gonna get up their draft picks because we need to—we <laughs> need to just appreciate how bad they've drafted since. So their last, their last four first-round picks have been Ben McLemore, Nick Stauskas, not on the roster anymore, Willie Cauley Stein. And that Papa Giannis guy, and none of them have turned out to be him. In fact, if you go before Mecklemore, they drafted Thomas Robinson, who I don't even think he's in the league. Yeah, he's playing for the Lakers. Oh, is he? 
He's yeah, up the well, Lakers. I mean, Luke Walton's resurrected his career. I always believed in him. I was a big fan when he came out of the draft. And yeah, he, he kind of let me down, but he's proven me right again now. Although there was rumours the they were going to wave him along with um, Mayor World Peace. <laughs> <laughs> he loves basketball, though, so you can't wave him. But He, he wants his wheeze. But <laughs> even then, like, and those picks, Thomas Robinson was picked fifth, Mecklemore 7th, Stauskas 8th, Corley Stein 6th, and Papa Giannis they got with 13. So they've had five lottery picks, and no offence, they're all poor. They're all bad. Stauskas is on the sixes. He looks like he's fashioned a nice role for himself, but these guys aren't doing anything. I don't know whether it's coaching or scouting. It must be both because it's just a matter. Macklemore, you know, he's he's always on the trade block. He's someone who uh, Minnesota have been linked with. So, like, yeah, but even he's not like a franchise-changing player. He's not someone that people are going to really no, actively it's... pursue. He's the sort of guy you add to a trade when you're trying to fill in the, you know, fill out the cap. <laughs> He's the sort of guy LeBron would try and sign, just a three-point shooter to stand in the corner and LeBron can chuck it out to him every now and again. He's got a nice dunk problem. Well. He has. And, but these guys, you, when you have a franchise player, you have to draft well around them. And that, that's where Flip Saunders did pretty well for us. You know, he drafted Levine, Dieng, Mohamed. These are all serviceable players. The Kings are just drafting rubbish. And that's that's a big problem for me. And Matt Barnes, don't sign Matt Barnes. He's, a, <laughs> he's an absolute weapon. He's a general liability <laughs> on on and off the court. Rudy Gay's an odd one. Like he's averaging eighteen point five points a game, six point three rebounds. He's played twenty five games this season. I think the Thunder and the Magic have been interested in him, which isn't really shocking considering they both need sort of a wing scorer. I mean, Rudy Gay's an okay, but like he's a good basketball player. He's a two time FIBA gold medalist. Like he's someone who gets a lot of hate in this league and he's he would help those two teams especially but i i like if he wants to get out then i just think you have to get rid of him with some of the stuff he said in in the press recently you just have to move a guy like that it's not good for a team when you've got a locker room that is you know saying that the team's rubbish and they don't want to be here next year that is not good for a team vibe and it, you just have to i don't know they just need to get a grip and, and sort that whole situation out because it is it is an absolute mess. I mean, if they if they lose him and then in a few years' time they lose Cousins, who knows what's going to happen. But, you know, Cousins as well has got to sort of change his mentality, really, because he doesn't seem to really be that bothered about what he's doing with his life and with his career. Um, so maybe maybe it's more sort of psychological with uh, with Demarcus than it is with Rudy. But like, Rudy at least knows what he wants. Like, he's been a trade piece. He's jumped around the league for years. He's not really had anything solid since he was in Memphis. Um he was okay in Toronto for a while, but like he, he's jumped around, and it's it's just it must be sort of annoying and debilitating as a as a player that you're considered like that. But if the Kings are not really going to be paying any interest in you, you got to get rid of him. And I think there will be teams available. I mean, I think the Thunder would make sense. I think he'd be a nice, nicer compliment to Russell Westbrook. That's the thing. He is a scorer, and I think he he will give most teams a spark. But the problem is, if they trade him, I think their hopes again. The AFC are done. I mean, Ty Lawson, in fairness to him, has had a good season. But if if you're leaving your core as Ty Lawson and Demarcus Cousins, you're two not only very, I mean, they're good players, but they're unpredictable people as well. I mean, you know, Lawson Ty's at the end of last yeah. year kind of went off the rails. Cousins, you never know what he's going to do next. You know who he's going to take a shot at. Um, so 
it's a it, their roster is kind of it's like a ticking time bomb, and I think I don't blame Gay for wanting to get out of there because he's he's never really for me played on a great team. Like he played for the Grizzlies and the Raptors, but when he left, they started to get good again. So he's probably just frustrated. He's he's only made the playoffs once. He made it with Memphis in 2012. That's it. That shocks so me. Pro- yeah, same here because he's a yeah he's a half decent player. You know, he's probably one of the top 50, 60 players in the league and. Sacramento just don't really use him properly. So, yeah, the Kings are a hot mess and I have no idea what they're going to do. I'm done predicting them because they'll, they'll probably make some blockbuster trade or something. Yeah. Now that, we've, now, now that we've slagged them off. Now that we've lambasted them, it'll all change. Right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break uh, and we'll be back in a second. Why do we play? We play for jumpers, passers, and shooters. We play for driveway one-on-ones, playground heroes, and the clutch vet at the wide. We play for ballers, shot callers, game changers, and life changers. For breaking through, breaking barriers, and paradigms. We play for this, that, and whatever comes. This is why we play. Okay, so welcome back. We've actually been joined... um, Hot from the Denver Nuggets training practice and several other events in London, we've been joined by Mike Miller. Evening. Who will be a familiar voice to many of you the last few weeks because he's literally been carrying a podcast on his shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> so we apologise for that, Mike, but we're back now. <laughs> no <laughs> worries, it. it's good fun. We've got, bu- we got a busy week ahead, so we'll, we'll have to um, we'll have to talk about that later. But right, back to the uh, the, the sort of the trade rumours. We're, we're just going to fly through a bunch of names and then we're going to get to some of the questions and bits and bobs that you guys um tweeted in at the end so uh, i guess we should move on to a good a good topic we'll, we'll talk about the uh the, the denver nuggets players considering you were at their practice this afternoon i mean first of all how did that go yeah it was pretty cool actually um i was there so it was uh dave and al uh who also you'll recognize from the prod um and yeah we got to spend some time with a few players i didn't quite get to spend any decent time with my namesake which was a bit of a bummer but he really really didn't <laughs> want to talk to anyone was the impression that we got um He's an old but veteran, we, is he? yeah yeah uh, but we got to speak to mike malone for a fair amount and uh we also got to give him some advice on what beers he should be drinking whilst he's over here so it was uh it was good fun Right, uh, I guess we should talk about the rumours that uh, Farid and Gallinari are on the trade table. I mean, where do we where do we think these two go? Where, where do we think the options are? I mean, Gallinari is a very, very talented small forward, has had a lot of injury problems the last few years. And Farid is, well, it, you know, it's all in the nickname. He's the manable. He's a guy who can block and, and defend very well, but his offensive game is, a, you know, leaves quite a lot to be desired. I, mean, I don't know where where the destinations are for these guys. I mean, Fire away. Well, Farid's an interesting one. I, I actually, uh, fortunately, and this is a rarity, I got to spend some time with him today. Oh, and really? uh, <laughs> he, he genuinely feels, um, the impression I got was that he feels underappreciated in, in not necessarily by this, this team, but just in general. He, he just feels that he's not given, um, perhaps the, the sort of credit he should be for what he can do. Um, and he's always being pushed back as just a, a role player, which I can, I can kind of see, um, you know, cause he, he's not got the polished offensive game of a lot of other players, but he, he is, a, well, I, I think he's a great player to watch. I think he's an all out hustle, blue collar kind of guy that you need on a team. Um, I don't think he's going to be in Denver, particularly, you know, f- for a long period of his career, just because they seem, you know, refocused on these younger bigs they've now picked up. Um, but I think there's a few teams out there that could 
can make really good use of him. And, and one of those, I'm going to go straight in, and I know that's something we we're going to do a bit later, but I think the team like Portland could use him, even though he's undersized. He, they need someone who can rebound. They do. That's a familiar theme when it comes to trade deadlines, is teams looking to fill weaknesses, especially this season when, as Joe was saying before you came on, teams are, are trying to go after the Warriors in the paint because they've they've recognised that there's, there's, there's a clear defined weakness there this season. So if you can sort of, you know, if you're in a contention spot like the Blazers are and currently in the eighth seed in the West, then if you could go out and get someone like Fareed, he will add to that ability to sort of challenge some of the top of te- some of the top teams in the in the Western Conference, and it's just all about stacking. It's a bit of an arms race at the moment for some of the teams that are in the playoffs. Um, but I, I think I think Gallinari could be a real nice fit in somewhere like Oklahoma or maybe Orlando. I just think he's a good wing player who. I mean, he's he's had a lot of injury problems, so it's always going to be a gamble. But on his day, he is he's one of the the better basketball players in the league. Like he is, we met, we were talking about Rudy Gay earlier, and like he, I think he could be if he got healthy, be a very sort of similar productive player to 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 Rudy Gay, and um, which is you know, I, I don't know if that's a compliment because Rudy Gay gets attacked a lot in the league, but. He's one of those guys who's just a very solid, sort of solid NBA player and is a good addition to most teams. Um, Joe, you got any thoughts on where uh, where those two could end up? See, I think the Rockets should be ringing up the Nuggets and asking about either Gallinari or Wilson Chandler because just just add another three point shooter into that team and it gives them more space. I mean, it's clear they're committed to that offense, and I think. I think Houston are a win now team, so I think maybe they could move Sam Decker for one of these guys because Sam Decker's a half decent prospect. Uh, I also think I, I actually, I like the Trailblazers fit for Fareed. I think he'd fit very well in their culture, you know, because for quite a blue collar fan base, I think good fan base, loyal fan base. I think they'd appreciate his work great, and and to to me it doesn't it doesn't surprise me. He feels underappreciated. I watched him the other day against. I think it was the Pelicans, and he played like eight minutes, and I, I think he's better than that, personally. I think he's a good player. His skill set's limited, but his skill set's valuable as well. You've got to remember that. You know, he's not a stretch four or anything, but he can... what He, he does what he's told to very well, in my opinion. And I think, I think Denver are going to be that team who are going to have the most phone calls this deadline. Yeah, they've certainly got the, uh, the, the chips to, to trade. I think there was a tweet the other day that said uh, it listed basically half the roster saying would consider trading all um, at the minute, and it was just like, "All oh, right, okay." So it's it's weird because you know they're they're eleventh at the minute, and they've got they've got a really young core. And one of the things that we asked uh, Mike Malone earlier was like, "What's the ceiling for this team?" And he thinks that. At the minute, they need to keep that young core together because, yeah, they, they're getting beat a lot of the minute, but that's part of the, and, and you'll know this as being a, from being a Wolves fan, but that's part of the, the, the process of being a young team is you, you get beat because you don't know how to close out games. And he thinks that in a couple of years that the core here could be like a serious playoff contender. So it's, it'll be interesting to see obviously the older guys like Gallinari and, and, and Farid who are only like 27, 28, 29. They're, they're now vets that they're looking to move on from potentially, but the, the future is bright. I think in Denver, you know, and I'm not surprised that there's six of these guys potentially moving. That'd be annoying if they move before Thursday, and I mentioned that'd be a pain <laughs> in the butt for <laughs> logistically. But you know, who knows? Yeah, for, yeah. Well, I remember when um, I think it was the first regular season games in over here in the UK, and we had the 
the Raptors and the Nets and Darren Williams was traded to the Nets about four or five days before the first game of that back-to-back game, back-to-back event, sorry. And, um, yeah, no, that was cool because we, we actually got to see one of the sort of the, the, you know, the guy dominated with the Utah Jazz for the last few years. So it was, that was a cool thing. But if it is a trade, we'll have to see what happens. Um, Will Barton's another one that I, I know Joe likes to bring up, a shooting guard. He's, he's had a fairly productive season. The one thing I'd say is he just lacks a bit of consistency, but there's plenty of teams in the league who are looking for a young, dynamic, explosive shooting guard, and Will Barton's certainly one of them. The thing I like about Barton, he's on a very good contract. I think he's on a three-year, $11 million deal. That's that's peanuts with the cap price. That's nothing. Like, that is a really nice contract that I think... I It wouldn't surprise me if you move. They've got a big log jam in the backcourt. You've got... I know they've got so many. I can't remember. You've got Moutier, Jamal Murray, uh, Jameer Nelson still there. Gary Harris, Mike Miller, not the one from this podcast. Alec <laughs> Beasley. You've got all these guys. They need to move one of them. Barton for me is the guy to move. I think he is what he is. I don't think he's got the potential of the other guys at all. Um, and I think you, know, you look at someone like the Kings. I know we've brought them up a lot, but. They could probably do with an extra scoring option from the backcourt. That's not, you know, Darren Collison or Ben McLemore. Uh, the Bucks, the Bucks are reportedly looking to add a player like that, a shooting guard, a small forward, so he could be a good fit there. They need a shooting guard, man. They can't keep putting Jason Terry out there to die. <laughs> no, their 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 shooting guard platoon is currently Jason Terry and Tony Snell, which Will Barton is a big upgrade on those guys. So I think I think also the Knicks could take a look at him as well. Courtney Lee's a good 3 and D guy, but I think they need someone else who can kind of drive into the paint a bit. So he's going to have a lot of suits because that contract is brilliant. Um, Denver's GM has done a great job for me getting these guys on good value contracts. It means that, yeah, we spoke about Ashik earlier. Ashik is on the worst contract I've ever seen. So the the max you're getting for him is, if anything, a second round pick. But Barton, you could probably get quite a good haul just because he's only earning three, he's got a three point five million cap hit. That's that's not a big cap hit at all. Not in not with the way the NBA is going now. They're traditionally a team that the other franchises are quite willing to sort of work with and and fees out a deal as well. As you saw with the the whole Mellow saga, like we knew he wanted to leave, and and they got that deal done. And I will jump will jump over a bit because LeBron James came out the last couple of weeks and said that. They need to get a point guard. Obviously, we mentioned at the start of the show that they've kind of kick-started this sort of trade frenzy at the moment with all the rumours flying around because they made that deal to, to bring Kyle Corver to Cleveland. They, they started this arms race and he comes out and says they need a point guard. Jameer Nelson would be a really good fit in Cleveland. I'm just putting it out there. Like, I generally, like, he shoots 37% from three point range. I think he fits the Cavs offensive system. He's, got significant playoff experience. I think he's played 44 games in the playoffs. He's one of those guys who's going to have a real impact on that team coming off the bench, and especially with Kyrie being out injured, I think that really helps. And the, the Nuggets are certainly one of those teams that is going to be looking to sort of make deals like that. He's got uh, finals experience as well, hasn't he? Yeah. From, oh, uh, with the, oh, with the Magic. With yeah, the Magic. Yeah, that, so that's, that, lasted, you know, that, lasted, <laughs> that lasted long. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's, it's more experience than some of those guys have got. Um, True. Actually, not some, a few of them. One of them that's just been traded there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, Jimmy and Nelson would be. I'd look at him, and I, I, I think they'd sorely miss someone with the grit of, of Delhi that they're never going to get. I think it was a big mistake. I know they had to pay, pay for those to keep him, 
But that's the thing, though. If you've got a championship roster and you're willing to pay, well, you've got to be willing to pay for it. If you look at these these championship teams, they usually have the biggest salary, and there's a reason for that. And and players deserve once they become a champion, they deserve to, you know, get an uptick in their salary, even though they played role like a limited role in it. Delhi, I think, proved his worth. He's doing well at the Bucks. Um, Jimmy Nelson, yeah, could go there. He's getting old. He can't have many more seasons left. And again, that's that's ideally what you want in a win now Cavs sort of situation. And it fits in with LeBron just bringing in sort of steady veterans who aren't going to come in the locker room and cause you know tantrums. Like there's people floating on the rumors that they'd probably look they'd look at someone like Rondo. That's a whole can of worms. Like you're not too sure what you're going to get with that. Like yes, I understand he's been in the league a while. He is a veteran, but. He also brings with him quite a few problems and he's got quite a big personality, which tends to clash with guys like Kyrie and LeBron. And we saw it in the first few like the first year and a bit of that this Cavs roster. Like Kyrie and LeBron clashed and LeBron and Love clashed and they worked it all out and obviously win the championship helps massively. But I just think that there are such as there there are a situation where and David Griffin needs to realise this where Yes, you can go out and make all these fabulous trades, but I I don't think you really want to ruin what they've got going on in that locker room. I just think it works, and if it works, you've got to. I'd, I'd agree with that, and, and Rondo is one of the names that I, I was leaning towards mentioning. The thing for me with Rondo, though, is uh, from from one aspect, yeah, he'd be great as a ball handler on that team and for getting assists. But half of the reason they need another outside presence is to open up the floor for LeBron to operate, give him more room, and you're not getting that with a guy who's got. Well, I'm trying to think. I'll not say it without insulting, but it's, it's going to. I'm just going to say he's got a terrible jump shot. The guy, the guy can't shoot. Um, but in terms of his, his personality, look at what you know. J.R. Smith was a destructive personality in New York. Um, not peep out of him really in the last two years since he's been there. I, th- I think that if you've got a strong enough veteran presence like LeBron, you can probably keep someone like Rondo in check. And I think that's possibly part of the reason he was. Uh, in checking in sort of his prime years in Boston, it's because you had the three big dogs in in Allen and Pierce and KG who who would just bark at him to shut him up. I think maybe he needs that sort of presence. I, I see where you're coming from, but the thing that worries me about Rondo is you look at what happened in Dallas. I mean, Dallas have you know Rick Carlisle is a coach who generally people get on with. You know, they don't mess with him. He's quite scary. And Rondo, like, didn't he? He cursed him out, didn't he, in the middle of a playoff game? He did something just, stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I think Rondo is he's okay, but is he worth the risk? I mean, because you've got Jose Calderon, who I think is a good option, just because he's a good three-point shooter. And also, the guy I think they're going to sign is Mario Chalmers, because he got waived by Memphis last year when he did his ACL. He's played with Laron before. He was playing really well last year before he got injured. And to me, I could see them making that kind of move because the thing is with Rondo, I think he's on a, I think he's on a one-year. It might it might be like fifteen million dollar deal, and I I don't know if David Griffin would want to eat that cap up. I, th- I think that Mario Chalmers show is great actually, and I, I feel I feel he was hard done by being waived. It was Memphis, wasn't he? It was last that? It was last summer, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like, he he played well for them last year um, towards the end of the season and. Uh, you're right. He's got the championship experience from playing with LeBron as a backup point guard. It's not really more ideal than than having that, is there? He's a good defender as well, which is obviously going to be important. He uh, he can do a job against the likes of Curry and Clay. Whereas I think Rondo, I think he can, but I don't know if mentally he's 
he'd want to. I don't think he's a motivated player at all. I've got, just on my notes, DJ Augustine being a, a fairly good pickup. He's just going to be a backup. He's not a great defender, but I think he could do a solid job. He has played in the playoffs before, but he's not been great. Um, but I, he's, uh, he's having a pretty good season from, from inside, inside the arc, zero to three feet. I think he's having his career best year. Um, and another one, and purely because I think LeBron shares his agent, correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon Knight, the Suns, and it's a shame Ross isn't on. They're a team that at the moment is also looking to sort of possibly look towards the future. And I don't think the Cavs have possibly got enough for him unless they were willing to give up somebody like J.R. Smith or, or Iman Shumpert. But if you, if you put in Jordan McRae, first round pick, maybe one or two other players, of, of varying calibers, I think you might be able to tempt him away considering the log jam that the Suns have got. What with Eric Bledsoe, uh, Devin Booker, TJ Warren, Marquise Chris, like they've got loads of guards and Brandon Knight has just shown that he can, he can play like he can, he can sort of fit into the system and be a good sixth man. He's playing career low minutes as well. So I think he'd probably welcome the chance to go and play for a sort of contender. Yeah. I'm, I'm just struggling to see who. Who the uh, if he's going to come at a price? That's the thing. Cleveland are sort of their hands are tied in this situation that they can't give up a lot. I mean, it, it's crazy that we're looking at the defending champions who who beat uh, who beat Golden State on on Christmas Day. Quite well, it was it was quite convincingly in the end. But if if we're looking at them and we're talking about what they need to do to still win it, it seems to me really weird that we're still looking at this team like an underdog. And I don't think they haven't. I don't think they could give up. If he's coming at a cost, if they give up, I'm trying to think how to say this. If they if they give up anything to get him, and it's a significant cost, you're messing with a significant amount of team chemistry. And I, I can't I can't see who they could give up to do that. You're looking at maybe maybe the rookie. I don't think they'd give him up. I think they'd give up C.D. Osman and maybe Jordan McRae, first round pick, and Iman Shumpert. Would you, Would you really give up Iman Shumpert as well? Is he a good player? I think Brandon Knight brings a lot more to the table, but that could just be me. I know Joe's not a big fan of the, the high-top fade guy. No. <laughs> no, I, th- I think Corver's replaced it, because I think Corver's going to go into the starting lineup and JR will play uh, Shumpert's role for the last of the last two years. So I think Shumpert at this point is a potential trade chip. Does he become expendable? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, they're not going to trade James Jones. He's LeBron's guy. <laughs> <laughs> So was that guy that, he, that, that the Miami Heat drafted before he left. What was his name? Oh, Napier, backup point guard in Portland. <laughs> he's, he's my guy. I want him. Yeah, okay, bye. <laughs> uh, okay, I guess we should move off the Cavs because that's enough Cavs talk. Uh, where, where do we want to go next? Do we want to go to Chicago or, or, or do we want to go to the Clippers or Portland? Where do we want to go? I just want to say something. Clippers, Clippers fans keep linking themselves with, like, you know, the likes of Rudiger and Wilson Chandler, but they don't have any trade chips. So I think I think Clippers fans need to accept that their current roster is what they've got and that's what they're stuck with. I don't I don't think Clippers can go after anyone like I don't even think they could get Will Barton. I just don't think they've got anywhere near enough to give up. Because outside of that big four you've got nothing really. And you You don't think they can give up Blake Griffin? Well the problem is his contrast's up, isn't it? I think his contract's up. He's out six weeks at the moment, or sorry, four or five weeks as it stands. He's been a guy that they've been going on and on about trading the last few seasons. Like, 
I don't know. The, the, the question is, would someone take him? That's where I'd go with Blake. It's not necessarily would the, I think the Clippers would get rid of him if they had the opportunity. I, th- I think someone would take him hand over fist, but it's, it's what they take him for. And I don't think that if, you, if you're the Clippers, you've gone all in and on this roster. This is, this is supposed to be their year. And you mentioned earlier about the way to beat the Warriors was with bigs. And they have got two of the most athletic bigs in the league who, when fit and healthy, are just like a two-headed monster. But they've got, they're all in on this roster and they've got three guys who will likely, well, their contract either expires or they're going to opt out at the end of the season. They're not, they're not going to get back same or better value for those guys. So if they're trying to win now, which they clearly have to, otherwise this whole thing's gone, gone up in flames anyway, they're not going to get better. I don't see how they can get better. I, I I just think it's the whole injury scenario. Like his knee has been a problem. He's out again with his knee. They've said, they've come out and they've said it's like a regular routine that he gets his knee sort of pumped every year. And it's I don't I don't think anyone would be willing to take that. But I don't know if this is a good thing. But it's his different knee this time. It's the other knee. Oh well, so, yeah. That, so I think it's good that it's not the same <laughs> knee, but but or bad that oh no, his other knee's now going as well. Um, but it's the same with, with Chris Paul. Chris Paul's out every year for a like, handful of games every couple of months because his hamstrings are too tight. Stop jumping over Kia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, this is the thing. I, I don't see who they can get back that would put them into into a better spot because before he goes down, these are two guys who are on the out, on the fringe for the MVP conversation, the, the, the numbers they're putting up. I don't see what they're going to get back that is going to put them into a better position. The Clippers were on fire at the start of the year as well. Like they've they've dropped off a bit since then, but they've won four straight at the moment. They're twenty six and fourteen. Like they're still in with a shot. Like I don't people write them off quite easily, but because of like you know Doc Rivers, a lot of people don't like Doc Rivers and some of the moves he's made. But I think the opportunity is there um, for them to. If a deal does come, I don't know who it would, where it would come from. Maybe Oklahoma because obviously it's where Blake's from, but. I don't know what they want to give up either, but there were. I think Stephen A. Smith and I, I never want to bring his name up on this show, but I think he was floating the whole, you know, Chris Paul's on the trade block rumors. It's like really, it's like I know LeBron comes out and says he wants a point guard, but you didn't have to come up and make that up like a day later. <laughs> uh, I do like Stephen A. Smith. Wasn't he the one who came up with the uh, Durant is going to the Lakers? And that's yes. a fact. He's just too afraid to say it. Yeah, that, that yeah. planned out well, didn't it? <laughs> Yeah, that was that was good. Um, okay, we'll go, we'll we'll go over to Shy Town and talk a little bit uh, about a certain guy called Jimmy Butler who has been so impressive this season to me, at least. Anyway, I've watched quite a few Bulls games in recent weeks, and Jimmy Butler has been absolutely outstanding. He had forty points against Brooklyn. He had fifty-two against Charlotte the other night including the game winner. He had 42 against Toronto the other night as well. He's on an absolute tear and he's on the trade block. I mean, what is it going to take to lure him away from Chicago? Because you've got one side of the organization that's coming out and saying, we want to keep Jimmy Butler. And then other sources that are not named say that he is on the table and he has been on the table since the start of the sort of the, the trade window opening. He's a phenomenal player, a phenomenal talent, a guy I think you can effectively put a team around if you want to obviously the Bulls one half of the Bulls clearly doesn't think they can do that but I just think this season's been so I think you'd be mad to let him go but you know the Boston Celtics rumour is forever going to be there I mean 
he's having a better season statistically than LeBron James and Giannis, who are obviously getting more coverage. So you'd have to give up. I mean, I think we're talking a mellow, mellow size trade. I think he's that good at both ends as well. It's not like he's a defensive sieve. He's one of the best defenders in the league. He's offensively can do everything now. His game really developed under Fred Hoiberg, in my opinion. I mean, I think Minnesota one of the obvious links. We've got we've got a draft pick. Our, he loves our coach. I'd I'd happily. I mean, I wouldn't even hesitate about moving Chris Dunn and Andrew Wiggins to get Jimmy Butler personally. Um, but other than that, I don't think there's many teams who have the assets. And that's the that's the big problem when you trade the star. You know, I think it was Alvin Gentry earlier in the week who someone asked him about trading Anthony Davis and he started laughing at them. And he said, I've been in the league for 30 years. You don't trade great for good. So I don't... It'll be interesting, but the, let's not pretend the Bulls are a well-run franchise. They've not been well-run for quite a while now. Bring back Jerry Krause. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it shocks me, but Jimmy Butler's in and out of the trade rumours now for the past couple of years. I was convinced in the summer he was going in a He was always going on trade night. Cousins. On draft night. Yeah. Trade night? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's bizarre. They, they they just don't seem to want to commit to him. It's it's And it's really weird because this is a, like you say, this is a, a solid player. I mean, in terms of perimeter defenders, you've maybe got Kawhi Leonard, who's probably a better individual stopper than him and then <clears throat> and then it's probably him and on the offensive end he's he's picked up remarkably this year they were saying he couldn't shoot um threes last year and I, I think there was a Woj interview with him or someone and he was just talking he was like I, I don't need to shoot threes at the minute I can kill you anywhere I want to so like, well yeah fair point um I, I don't think you're going to get back what you want for him and the only way that the, the balls are going to ever move him I think is if they're going to just blow everything up and then that begs the question what will they do in signing Dwayne Wade at the same time anyway because he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild uh, but I ain't got a clue what the Bulls are doing I've said that all season I didn't have a clue what they were doing when they picked up Rondo yeah and a big part of me thought they brought Wade in to nurture and help and develop Jimmy Butler which if he's done it in what what were we four three months four months into the season like the, the, seriously, the dude's like a magician or something. If he's made, if he's turned Jimmy Butler into this, like he's been a good player. He's now a great player. He's now one of the best in the league. He's a guy that you you should be looking to make moves for. And this begs the question: What the hell is Danny Ainge doing in Boston? Like you spend years stacking picks and bringing in crappy draft picks and crap and drafting badly, like like Joe said earlier. And you you have an opportunity to go out and get a guy like this, and you don't even you you know you're not making that much of an effort. Yeah, it's it's a strange one. I'd be pissed if I was a Celtics fan. I kind of, I'm pissed on Celtics fans and Bulls fans because I think, I think the Chicago ownership, I remember when they signed Rondo, I watched the uh, press conference of the GM and I'm not going to lie, he talked a load of crap. He, like everything, he's, everything he said was <laughs> wrong. He said that, that they'd gotten younger and more athletic and they'd signed Dwayne Wade, who I think is, what, 36 now or something like that. But he really underestimated. He said that Chicago sports fans don't tolerate rebuilding. And when he said that, I was just like, well, that's rubbish because the Chicago Bears and the Chicago Cubs have been rebuilding for a long time. You have <laughs> Decades. To- <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, Chicago fans are some of the most loyal in the world. If it's If you commit to a rebuild, they would still turn up. They're not fair weather. They would turn up and... 
And also, if you get these exciting young players through the door, they're, they're obviously going to turn up to watch them. I mean, look at Philly's attendances are on the rise this year because of Joel Embiid and, and Ben Simmons soon. Like, I just think that whole situation, he's grossly misjudged what the fans want and what Fred Hoiberg wants because these players don't fit into what he likes to do as a coach, which is probably why when he gets fired within the next couple of months, we won't see him again in the NBA. Because I just think it's going to have ruined the experience for him. Which is a shame, because it's mostly not his fault. No, it's not his fault at all. But they've they brought him in to run like an up-tempo offense, and they signed Dwayne Wade, Rajon Rondo, and they kept Taj Gibson. Who I, I like Gibson, he's a good player, but you don't run an up-tempo offense through Taj Gibson. So that there's there's different messages coming from every part of that franchise, and that's why... They're in the mess they are, really. I think Taj Gibson's a guy who could, be, who should, and could be on the move as well. Like he's been a guy who's demanded more, and he's obviously got it since uh, Gasol left. But I think you could send both him and Butler to Boston and get a hell of a lot back, and get enough back that it would warrant, you know, considering the trade. I know there was a whole three-way trade between Philly and Boston and Chicago in the summer that was all rumored, and it never really sort of came to fruition. But I just think. The Celtics, if if you've been doing this for the last, what, six six seasons maybe? Just sort of biding your time, building up your assets. You get a chance to go out and get a guy who's clearly in his prime. I just think you just have to jump on it. They, they moaned about missing Durant in the summer. It's like, well, look, you've got stuff. You can go out and make the change. Just go out and do it. They're bringing Al Horford. I, I, I think that team would be immense if you could add someone like Jimmy Butler to that team. Right? You're going to have to give up a couple of couple of picks and some guys but what you're getting back I just think would be would be so much more but then again it, it also favors the other side where you're kind of thinking Chicago would be mad to trade him because you could you could add players and, and build around him and let's be honest which you know 20 year old kid coming out of the draft doesn't want to play at the United Center doesn't want to wear a Bulls jersey yeah that's a fair comment it's a freaking it's a freaking Bulls jersey <laughs> it's, a, it's a fair comment like um, the thing that gets me like you say it's 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 People would tear their arm off for this guy. Why aren't they committing to him? And maybe it's they, they just can't build around him for whatever reason. They're just they're not getting free agents. He's too good to let them drop far enough for them to actually get a decent draft pick. Maybe that's the situation. So it's like he's too good for us to be bad. And for whatever reason, we're not able to put the talent around him he needs. So we're just going to have to let him go and and just hit the big red button. It doesn't help. But I, when we discussed the Kings earlier, I mentioned how badly the Kings drafted. The Bulls drafting is not a lot better. I mean, they drafted, I think the story is that in 2012, uh, Thibodeau said to the front office, go and get me Draymond Green. <laughs> and they drafted Mar- They drafted Marquise Teague. Marquise Teague now plays in the, in the Russian league. Okay. In a state, in a stadium that holds 6,000 people. <laughs> so that's a knowledge drop right there. And they also drafted Tony Snell, not on the team anymore. Gary Harris, they drafted, I think, well, obviously they traded him. I can't remember the exact trade. Um, so they they keep drafting badly. And that's the thing. In the NBA, you can talk all you want about franchise-style players. If you draft well, you give yourself an advantage because you turn these guys into either players who go around your star or they become trade chips so you can acquire another star. And I think... I think that's where Boston have gone wrong because Boston have had all these picks and but how many of them are any good? I mean they've got James Young, he to me looks like a bust. You've got 
I'm just having a look now. Terry Rozier, RJ Hunter's not on the roster anymore. Uh, Lucas Najera, Jared Sullinger, Fab Mello. I mean, they've had all these picks, and for some reason, they've not hit on any of them. And I think that's I think that's their biggest problem when they're trading because the Bulls front also be looking well. Well, none of your players are actually that good outside of Thomas Bradley and Horford, and I don't think they'd give up any of them. So it's a difficult situation for both teams. Yeah, they also gambled on getting like a top two pick or a top five pick and it's just not worked out for them. Like they've been beaten out the last few years by the Sixers and then the Lakers. It's just, that's the way the luck has fallen, I'm afraid. And it's been a bit of a, bit of a bum time if you're a, if you're a Celtics fan. Saying that, you're still in contention for being the second best team in the Eastern Conference. It's you and the Raptors because you ain't getting the first seed. Um, right. <laughs> I'll cut that short. Um, Nerlens Noel. Uh, Okafor. I mean, we, we've got to go there just quickly before we finish. I think maybe, maybe Sergio Barker as well. Is, is are, the, are these guys Portland players in the making? Maybe not Okafor, but Noel and Barker. If if I'm if I'm Portland, I'm like Noel would make sense, but I'm running from any big man. In fact, any man who has <laughs> knee issues. That that franchise does not have luck. Throughout their entire history, with big players and Anwar and Brandon Roy, don't bring him up. Don't bring him up. I man. did it. I brought up the curse of Roy. <laughs> if if I'm them, I'm looking at this. Oh, this guy's had l- lower leg issues. Basically, the day he was drafted, I think he was already out. He couldn't even work out in the pre-drafts. I'm steering clear of that. If I look at Okafor, I don't. I don't want him on a Portland team. I don't. I don't want this guy who's basically a, plays matador defense and and. That's it. Offers you a bit of a bit of offense if you run things for him. But on the other hand, if I'm Philly, I'm looking to shift Okafor straight away. I, 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 that's that's the guy. I don't think we can build behind, or they can build behind. Abaka, yeah, okay. I'd, I could get on the 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 Abaka bandwagon. I think he's, um, well, we know what he's like as a defensive presence. He uh, he doesn't seem to be the player he was a couple of years ago, but he has the ability to s- spread the floor. And when you've got two little guys like. McCollum and, and Lillard, uh, you, you need to be able to just have someone inside who can rebound, but then also someone who can pull the other bigs out of the way so not everything that you go down gets swatted. I mean, that's one of the reasons McCollum has become such a great mid-range shooter because he's, he's too small to get to the lane a lot of times with these bigs. Um, yeah, I, I, a backer I could see going there, but I, I think I know where it's going is who, who would... Uh, Blazers have to give up to, to get him. And I know there's a lot of talk about they're going to need to get rid of CJ at some point, And it kind of makes sense. Um, Ibaka for me is a great fit and he doesn't mind being that third. Like he's been fine being that third guy the last time ever many seasons he was in Oklahoma behind Durant and Westbrook. Uh, you're going to go into a situation where you're behind Lillard and McCollum. I think that would work out quite well. I think he's got quite a lot of know-how and knowledge and intelligence with regards to the whole game as a whole. I think he'd bring a lot to the locker room. I think he'd just fit in with Terry Stotts' mentality. And they need something, that team, at the moment, because they're just so up and down like a yo-yo. I know they're currently they're sort of residing in the eighth seed, but they've got the Kings that are snapping at their heels. And then you can go all the way down to, you know, the Denver Nuggets or maybe even the Lakers. Like, they're all within reach of a, a possible eighth seed depending on how the rest of the season goes it's just it's been a weird year out west like we're so used to having just sort of a clear defined sort of top tops top eight top nine teams and this year we've got like a good top four and then a muddle rest which is which is really odd and it kind of shows you how 
maybe the conferences are sort of are leveling out a bit, or maybe we have got this problem where teams are stacking, like we mentioned at the start of the show, where you got all the best players playing in Cleveland, all the best players playing in, in you know, Golden State and San Antonio and places like that. It, it, it could be bad for the league. With McCollum, I think obviously one of the big trade chips in the moment, or the big targets in the league, is Demarcus Cousins. I think if the Kings were going to move Cousins, they'd have to get a player of McCollum's quality in return. The other team that I think could do it is the Wizards as well with Bradley Beal because Otto Porter seems to have evolved into that second best player. But I don't think they'll move McCollum just because I think Stotts' philosophy is to shoot threes, um, get as many shots in as many ways as possible. And I don't think he'd give up McCollum. He's just too good of a fit for his offense. Yeah, this is this is the difficulty though. That the offense is absolutely blistering. There's no defense on this roster. They need they need <laughs> they, they need to stop the ball. It's all it's all very well being able to put it in the hoop, but no, you don't look at Houston. Well, yeah, wait till the playoffs start and everyone starts playing defense, and Houston suddenly can't just run and spread the floor like they want. <laughs> I don't. I, mean, I still think Houston are, are, are playing unbelievably. Uh, my hot take is. <clears throat> and I can't believe I'm going to say this. This is just going to discredit everything I've ever, ever tried to do. <laughs> Anything ever justified. Would it be mad to get rid of Lillard? If you look at him on the floor. No one's taking that contract. Lillard is a fantastic player. Absolutely fantastic. Hey, Lillard's a one-man band. Like I love the guy. Exactly. Death, How but... far are you going to get behind a one-man band? Uh, Thunder? Exactly. <laughs> Seventh seed, bumped in the second round tops. <laughs> To me, like they had CJ when when Lillard went down injured, CJ stepped in at, at point guard, and it, he showed that he could do it. You know, not necessarily the world greatest point guard, but he could lead them to getting victories whilst he was handling the ball. I think you could get a lot more back for Lillard, who is defensively um, absent. I think is how I'm going to phrase it. Um, <laughs> you could get a lot more back for him, which would give this team the chance to actually build something better than just a fringe playoff content. Like, you know, they, they, they need more than this. Otherwise they're going to be behind Lillard for years. You're stuck behind an undersized guard who relies heavily on his speed and athleticism, which eventually are going to be sapped from him. I don't think you can do it. I, I think that, I think small point guards have a much shorter lifespan than you know, guys of average height to taller for a point guard. And I think that they, they could do with selling him whilst his stock is so high to get in a bigger front court. And I realise that I'm going to get some serious abuse for that, but uh, that's just my, my hot take. Yeah, like seriously, he's our Twitter follower. What are you doing, man? Oh, no, I, I love him. I absolutely love him. I absolutely think he's a great player. I just look at it, I'm like, what's the ceiling for this team behind an undersized point guard? And that's where I, I, I struggle to see. His defense is, I mean, I've just checked out the defensive real plus minus. He's 80th of the 85 point guards who've played enough minutes. And the only guys below him are Isaiah Thomas, Brandon Knight, Trey Burke, Zach Levine and Corey Joseph. But his offense is, is that, so it's kind of, I assume you want, I'm assuming you want Portland to be more balanced and that's why. Yeah, my concern is that they get over sort of 45% of their points from a, from an undersized backcourt. Yeah, I could see. I mean, I noticed when we played you earlier in the year that I felt when Chris Dunn came on, he had his way with Lillard because he's just more powerful. He's bigger, more athletic. Uh, it was, it was, it's, and that Chris Dunn isn't even one of the premier point guards. If you're going to play a guy like Westbrook, Paul, Lowry, 
Curry, you're just going to get ripped a new one, basically. He's one of the new breeder point guards, though, isn't he? Who's bigger than stronger than most than what we come to expect traditionally from the position. So, and uh, Gary Payton was on. Um, what's that show that Garnett does? Is it uh, Area Twenty One? Area Twenty One. Yeah, Gary Payton was on there the other day talking about Lillard actually, and he was like, out of all the guys in the league, I think Garnett and Payton were saying that Damian Lillard is the one that they give the most respect to because of the way he works by himself in the off season, whereas in a lot of players tend to go around and do things like Drew League and bits and bobs like that during the summer and they're constantly with their mates whereas Lillard has got a very old-fashioned mentality and I just think his upside on that end of the court on the offensive end is so high that it it does if you've got a, the right players around him another four guys all great defenders I think you would you'd cancel out that, neg- that negative aspect of his game but clearly they've not got that at the moment because they lack an interior presence and that they just get beaten constantly inside so I think if they need like the teams that where they had LaMarcus Aldridge and Robin Lopez in the centre that 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 worked great because it could cover up Lillard's effective flaws and and Wesley Matthews was a better defender than CJ McCollum and a better defender than Evan Turner and Evan Turner's been a, a bust for them like we all knew it was going to happen it's just you know I think their GM came out in the week and said well you know at least we didn't pay Sosa Sosa so much money for Chandler Parsons it's like yeah but you paid that much money for Evan Turner but you, you can't make a comment. That is a big hot take. We might have to go into that a bit um, for a bit longer on another show because there's plenty of destinations where I imagine put, he, he, Damien Lillard would be uh, would be rather welcome. Um, right, we need to get on to these quick questions because this show is going to be a long one. Um, I, I've actually got to find the questions now. I mean, Nick Whitfield sent which team isn't yet in trade rumours, which probably should be. Is it the Knicks? I mean, I, I don't know. I think everyone's been in trade rumours maybe. <laughs> What about the Bucks? Greg Monroe? No? No, they'll keep him. I think he's fashioned a really good role for himself as that sixth man. He's I don't think he's as bad as people think he is. He's he's limited, but what is what I said about Fareed, what he's good at, he's very good at and but the Bucks should be in rules. They have to get a, a wing in. It doesn't matter who it is at this point because Tony Snell's had a good year, but is I'm I'm not sure that's gonna stay the same. I think the Pistons have got to be looking at trades as well. They're 18 and 21, 10th seed. Something's not right in Detroit for me. And I think maybe a, just add something from somewhere. They've got a lot of assets, but those are the two teams I look at and think they need to be a little bit more involved. I've got to say, I, I threw my arms up in celebration when you said Greg Monroe's not as bad as, as people are making out because he's had some <laughs> stick in the past few months and I think he's a great player. Um, yeah, I agree something that's not right in, in Detroit. Something needs to be done there. It'd be interesting to see whether, I think, I see, I think Brooklyn need to make some moves as well because they're, they're not playing for anything. They haven't got their own pick, have they, this year? They, and it's going to, it's going to go to Boston, isn't it? So if they, if they continue to, all they're doing is, is, is tanking for, the, not even deliberately tanking. They're just doing it for the sake of, helping out Boston and I think they need to be looking at making moves maybe moving on from Brook Lopez and if they're going to be bad at least they can be bad by you know reinventing themselves with some new fresh talent okay okay uh Matt Hardy on Twitter he said uh speaking of the Nets um the Nets have had Bennett and, and Barniani which draft bus should the Nets go for next uh Jahlil that's exactly what I was going to say <laughs> <laughs> take him please take him Philadelphia would probably yeah, they, they would probably just say name name the price, second round pick. Jeremy, Jeremy Lin's hair gel. <laughs> well, I'm that's gonna, tough actually. Jeremy Lin's hair gel. I, 
I'm going to say Michael Carter-Williams. Former Rookie of the Year, Michael Carter-Williams. Aww. Poor Michael Carter-Williams. <laughs> How did we allow him to win Rookie of the Year as a speaker? Because that year was awful. Hang on, was that a year with Victor Oladipo? That's correct, that's the same year. Yeah. He was runner-up. How did that happen? How did that happen? <laughs> it's crazy. He seems to be doing okay now with uh, the Bulls, but you're right, he is not um, He is not Rookie of the Year. Uh, I, I don't think he would... I don't think he was even playing well enough now to be Rookie of the Year if he was in this rookie class. It's just uh, oh no, it's terrible. This rookie class has got some. There's there's like a you know a bead. He's somehow still a rookie and he's just heads and tail above everybody else. Um, right, where are we going now? Uh, oh, Matt Hardy had a second question: Which team are one lost player away from obscurity? Now I qu- I queried him on this because I was I questioned him as in what he meant by lost player, and I thought he meant you know someone like. You, your guy gets injured midway through the season or he has constant injury niggles. I think it meant if a team loses a player, they just become... Yeah, yeah. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what he meant. I've got... I think the Utah Jazz, if they lose Gordon Hayward, it's it's over. I know they've still got good players like Rudy Gobert, but Hayward, for me, is the key guy on that team. So if they lose him to free agency this summer, I think they're in... They're in big trouble. I think with him, they're title contenders in a year or two. I think without him... They're probably a six, seven seed, and that I'm going to consider that obscurity in the West just because the top four at the moment are just so dominant. He was thrown about in trade rumors during the week with Jay Crowder as well, because Jay Crowder came out and was quite vocal after a coach Celtics coaching practice, and was just you know absolutely ripping into Celtics fans for even suggesting the idea. Yeah, they were they were applauding Hayward, weren't they? They were clapping him during the game, effectively. It's just like, you, you shouldn't be clapping for the other team. <laughs> for me, and it's, it's quite an obvious one, it's, it's the Pelicans. I mean, look how terrible they were when Holiday was out. If Holiday or uh, Anthony Davis go down, they are useless. They, they, they couldn't do anything. And I'm surprised at how big an impact the return of Holiday had for them, to be honest. Otherwise, I think they would be down by Dallas. If uh, if Demarcus Cousins suddenly decided he didn't want to play basketball anymore and just left it then and there, that's it. Sacramento Kings are ruined for life. He's uh, he's on the cusp of having two hundred million reasons why he probably should carry on playing basketball. Yeah. Um, right, Dean Crookshank. Uh, where will Rondo land? Uh, do we do we want to uh, do we want to carry on with this? <laughs> China. China. Right, there you go. That's, that's a good answer. <laughs> Jamie Oppenheim asked if you can find someone to take Brooke Lopez up. Um, <laughs> hey, we almost t- touched on that a minute ago. Yeah, we did discuss that earlier. Uh, before you, before, This oh, is weird. Yeah, before you came yeah, on, we discussed yeah. it briefly then as well. So um, we've covered quite a bit of Nets talk tonight. Um, John Frazier said he thinks the most interesting trades would be the Tibbs, if Tibb goes for experience rather than the youth, which I think is kind of partially backing up what Joe was saying earlier on about maybe going for someone like Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I can see Jimmy Butler going there. I know there were earlier rumours about Dengo in there, but if, you, if you're if you looking to improve uh, that roster, then it's not Deng, it's, it's Jimmy, absolutely. But you're obviously giving up a lot more in return. Jimmy B! Right. Okay, I guess we should probably shoot off because uh, we've got quite a bit going on this week. It's a bit busy. <laughs> and this is a bloody <laughs> long podcast. <laughs> Going to have fun editing this one. Yeah, no, we'll have fun. Um, as usual, you can find the website at doubleclutchpodcast.co.uk. The Facebook and the Twitter is, of course, Double Clutch UK. Please follow us on there. Please join in with hashtag NBA in the UK and hashtag NBA London 
all week um, throughout the sort of week's festivities and events. There's all kinds of stuff going on. Um, just a quick shout out to Alex and Dave who actually hosted the NBA 2K European sort of final tournament at the NBA UK headquarters this evening. Um, I watched quite a bit of that earlier on on Facebook Live. It was pretty funky. Um, Alex might want to go back and watch some of, listen to what some of the stuff he said again. It was a little bit cringeworthy. Um, but you, you know, we'll, we'll forgive you. It's your first time. So <laughs> they did a great job and it was just pretty cool to see. Um, right. Has so you guys got anything you want to mention before we call this a quits? Make sure you tune in Thursday. <laughs> That's about it. I think, I think we've got a great event happening here and everyone needs to get behind it so we can continue to have it. Indeed, and it's uh, yet another sellout, I, I think. So it, it keeps on going. It seems a long while since I went to the first one when it was the, well, the first regular season one anyway. It was the Raptors and the uh, and the Nets. That was a hell of a night. Anyway, we'll catch you soon, guys. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. How hard is it to stay in game shape at this stage in your career? Is it, is it still a grind? Uh, it's not hard. I mean, you just got to spend a lot more time taking care of your body, and you know, it's more off the court than on the court stuff now. So, is there a lot of stuff you've had to change from when you came in as a rookie? Oh yeah. Yeah. Diet changes drastically over time. Um, just the way you prepare and train is different. You just can't, you know, I used to spend hours on a time on the court. Now I can't do that. I keep the pounding off my body. How many years do you think you can continue to go for? Um, I mean, my body feels good right now. I'm hoping for at least a year or two. Uh, but I reevaluate after every year now. It's uh, For me, it's, it's about still being fun and being around these guys and being in the locker room. Are you a, are you a mentor on this team now? Uh, obviously, I try to help as much as possible. I mean, I'm going to help these guys do whatever they need. You know, for me, I've seen everything. I've been a part of winning teams. I've been a part of losing teams. So um, I know what every one of these guys is going through, so I try to help as much as possible. When one of the rookies gets a bit too big for his boots, do you ever remind oh, we him, let him? We let him know. So oh, yeah. do you say, like, hey, I'm, I'm a former rookie of the year? <laughs> no, I don't tell them that. I don't, to me, I don't have to do it that way. I do it more along the lines of, you know, this is the way things go. Uh, seasons are long. The highs and lows are part of it. Never as good as you think you are, never as bad as you think you are.